The reading is taken from Psalm 78, verses 1 to 20, and can be found on page 590 of the Church Bibles. My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things of old. Things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. They would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. The men of Ephraim, though armed with bows, turned back on the day of battle. They did not keep God's covenant and refused to live by his law. They forgot what he had done, the wonders he had shown them. He did miracles in the sight of their ancestors, in the land of Egypt, in the region of Zoan. He divided the sea and led them through. He made the water stand up like a wall. He guided them with the cloud by day and with the light from the fire all night. He split the rocks in the wilderness and gave them water as abundant as the seas. He brought streams out of a rocky crag and made water flow down like rivers. But they continued to sin against him, rebelling in the wilderness against the Most High. They willfully put God to the test by demanding the food they craved. They spoke against God, and they said, Can God really spread a table in the wilderness? True, he struck the rock and water gushed out. Streams flowed abundantly. But can he also give us bread? Can he supply meat for his people? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our Gospel reading can be found in John chapter 6, and we read in page 1070 in the Church Bibles, and we'll read from verse 25 to verse 59. When the crowd found Jesus on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, You are looking for me, not because you saw signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. 
Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But, as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. At this the Jews began to grumble about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which, will, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that comes down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. This is the word of the Lord.
Lovely. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful day. And thank you for your love. Thank you most especially for a moment to sit and hear from you. And so we pray that you will speak to our hearts this morning. Amen. So, wonderfully for me today, I get to talk about two of my favorite subjects. The first, you won't be surprised to hear, because I'm your curate, is Jesus. There is always something wonderful, something exciting, something life-changing to share about Jesus. He is forever surprising me with the depth of his love and the breadth of his compassion for those that come to him in faith with expectation. In fact, even for those that come to him without much faith and without much expectation, he has endless patience. And I hope that you too, when you meet with your brothers and sisters in Christ, you always have something to share about what he's up to in your life. It's good to build each other up in faith by sharing what our walk with Jesus looks like in the good times and in the bad ones. The other focus of our talk this morning is bread. Now, it's perhaps not on quite the same level as Jesus, but it is definitely another thing that I'm very enthusiastic about. The smell of freshly baked bread is so inviting. It takes me back in an instant to my childhood. Of course, that's why you can always smell the bakery from the doorstep of our supermarkets, can't you? It's a welcoming smell. I had hoped to greet you today with the smell of freshly baking bread, but sadly, my bread machine packed up on Tuesday, so that wasn't going to happen. So you may not be a household where bread is actually baked, but who can resist the smell of freshly cooked toast? It's a comfortable, comforting smell that tells you all is right with the world. Because in cultures right across the world and down through the generations, one form of bread or another is recognized as one of life's basic necessities. I thought Simon was going to do my sermon for me this morning when he began by listing all those different kinds of bread. Naan bread, pita bread, sliced bread, uncut bread, white or wholemeal. There are so many varieties to enjoy. And it's just such a simple, basic product. The wherewithal to make it and the freedom to do so signify, if not a season of plenty, at least a season of sufficiency. And the peace to make it indicates peace between our nations. I read this week that in early Egyptian writings, um, people were urged, mothers were urged to send their children to school with plenty of bread and beer for lunch. I'm not sure how the beer would go down at St. Andrews, but the bread is good. It's crucial to our survival. So we return to our reading from St. John's Gospel this morning, and we remind ourselves in our series exploring the I am sayings of the Bible that Jesus says to his disciples, I am the bread of life. We'll remind ourselves of the context of this bit of teaching from Jesus, and that's always helpful to remember. It's enriching. 
and then we'll try and unpack a little of what he was trying to communicate. So Jesus is teaching here in the synagogue in Capernaum. He and his disciples have crossed the Sea of Galilee after the previous day's work, a miracle in which Jesus multiplied the five barley loaves and the two fish given by a little boy to feed a crowd of 5,000 people. Such was the generosity of his miraculous provision that from these humble beginnings that everyone in the crowd ate their fill and there were no fewer than 12 baskets of leftovers. Understandably, this caused quite a stir. The people of this occupied nation wanted to make him king. But that wouldn't have helped Jesus' actual ministry, so he slipped away. He retreated to the hills to pray, and when evening came, everyone saw the disciples leave without him to cross the lake in the only boat that was available. The Jewish community in Jerusalem had really rejected Jesus and his ministry, largely because they thought he'd rejected the law rather than fulfilled it. In contrast, these Galilean Jews were very ready to accept him, but as a political leader. In the news this week, our very own political leaders have been questioning what makes a good leader. Do you have to look the part and create the right impression in the media? Or is it your political integrity that's more important? These Galileans are clearly of a mind that a political leader who can provide cheap and plentiful food would be a great asset. They're ready to welcome Jesus with open arms, but really for altogether the wrong reasons, with the wrong motives and the wrong intentions. Jesus had withdrawn to the hills to pray because he was well aware that to be crowned king would actually frustrate his purpose. He did not come primarily to satisfy their material needs, although he often did so in his compassion for them. Rather, he came to fulfill a deep-seated need for forgiveness. Although the people didn't always realize they needed this forgiveness, it was crucial to their enjoying eternal life. And it's this deeper understanding of his own purpose that causes Jesus to speak as he does in our passage today. The people are looking for him because they're looking for an earthly-style paradise where they're not in need of food and life is easy. And so Jesus here confronts them with their wrong priorities. They are so obsessed with their material needs that they don't, in fact, see the real blessing that God is offering them. I wonder how often we could be accused of exactly that same thing. Sometimes we get so hung up complaining to God about certain details of life that we'd rather like him to fix that we miss the blessings that he does shower upon us. Yet in his grace, Jesus begins where we are, at our real point of need. It's often our physical needs that brings us to him, is it not? I can remember one day feeling so sorry for myself with a bad cold that I asked friends to pay for me. And in his grace, God dealt with the cold. 
But he also began a work of healing in my heart over a hurt that was buried so deep, I didn't even really acknowledge that it was there to be healed. These ordinary folk knew what it was to work hard for a living, and he could see that they were hungry and in need of food. And in his compassion, he generously met that need. But he knows that they need so much more than that. And that's why he appears to completely ignore their first question. And he plows right on in to addressing the main issue, which is actually their lack of faith. Yesterday in the story, these people watched him feed a huge crowd from a little boy's picnic. They themselves had eaten that bread. What more of a sign do they really need? They are children of their age, demanding proof, asking for another sign. One wonders if actually we are very much different. Jesus is an amazingly skilled teacher, and he begins by taking something ordinary with which they are all so familiar and using it as an illustration to illuminate an idea well beyond their previous experience. Bread. Bread sustains. In the late 18th century in France, conditions for people were really dreadful and they were often desperately hungry. The disparity between the living standards of the rich and the poor led to riots and ultimately, some would say, to the French Revolution. When seeking to understand the reason for the public disquiet in her land, Queen Marie Antoinette is fabled to have said, if the people have not bread, let them eat cake. Of course, we can see how ridiculous a suggestion that is, for cake is not only far more expensive than bread, but in truth, it's not as nutritious and life-sustaining as bread is. It's not going through the motions of chewing and swallowing that matters. It's the nutrients, the goodness that we consume. This week, um, Mark Bailey, the new head of new wine, the new wine movement, observed on Twitter, we live in a constant state of consumption, but there is a big difference between being full and being fulfilled. So I dare to ask, what is it in your life? that makes you feel not simply full, but fulfilled. So bread sustains, but bread also satisfies. There are many foods that might set your mouths watering to contemplate, because creativity with food is one of God's wonderful gifts to us. The plethora of great cooking programs you can find on the TV and the diversity of beautiful restaurants in this city alone are testimony to that. And it's not that those things are bad. Few things, however, satisfy our hunger as completely as the humble loaf of bread. People in our society exhibit enormous creativity when they look for satisfaction in life. Some travel the world and experience all the amazing wonders it has to offer. Some throw themselves into the pursuit of riches. Other people, people of varying faiths and of none, risk life and limb doing really good works to help others. 
But none of these things seem to offer the deep satisfaction that their hearts crave. Others simply hide from the empty feeling with drugs or sex or alcohol, or maybe working too hard, or maybe an endless social whirl. All of those things can take your mind off it for a while. Bread sustains, bread satisfies, but the bread of heaven saves. Ordinary earthly bread, wonder food though it is, will eventually spoil, especially in this heat. But in using this particular word picture for his ministry, Jesus enshrines the very essence of his message to the world. He is the answer to the needs of humanity's heart. He has a fundamental, elemental role in healing our relationship with our Heavenly Father, and it's he who is our primary source of nourishment. Caviar and cake may be very nice for some, for the privileged few, but bread, this universal food, is for everyone. Jesus comes not only for the privileged few, not only for the people of Israel, historically God's chosen people, of course, but he comes for us all. He comes for you whether you're as tall as David or as tiny as Rosie. He comes for you whether you have millions of pounds in the bank or whether you're not sure where your next meal is coming from. He comes for you whether you've worked hard, kept all the rules and done well in life. And he comes for you if none of the above is true. You feel you've made life a disaster and nothing has gone right. He is the savior of the world and he comes for you. Even the manna that God gave to the people of Israel in the desert didn't keep overnight and offered only temporary satisfaction. In the morning, they were hungry again. Just as last week, we heard Jesus offering to truly quench the thirst of the Samaritan woman. Today, he offers to really satisfy our hunger. All that's required is to put our faith in him and to believe, because that alone is what can satisfy our heart. The conversation is so very similar to that one that he had with the Samaritan woman, and yet what a different outcome here. She humbly accepted his living water by faith and rushed off to share the little understanding she had with others, and many came to faith as a result. Jews ask the same question, but they judge everything in earthly terms. They can't believe a tradesman's son from Nazareth, someone from such a poor home, could possibly be a messenger from God. They listened, but they did not learn. Unlike the Samaritan woman, they listened only to criticize. Those who, do not, uh, sorry, those who do respond in faith to Jesus find their true identity in him. They're secure and confident in their salvation, and they know that they're destined for eternal life. They no longer have to live with the gnawing hunger 
Thank you. Inside. Oh, that's loud. <laughs> I hope that you could hear that last little bit. Yeah. But there is a cost. There's a cost to us. The bread of life is only available to those who are drawn to Jesus, who accept him for who he really is and commit unreservedly to follow him. And there's a cost to Jesus. The sharing of this food would require the breaking of his body and the shedding of his blood in his death on the cross. Now, talking in terms of eating and drinking is shocking, yet a vivid illustration of the implication of believing in him. Once again, it's a picture using ordinary words to describe something extraordinary. The fact that we might appropriate for ourselves Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. That whatever it is in our life that separates us from our Heavenly Father was dealt with once and for all in that amazing act of love which we remember today as we gather around the communion table. Many of his audience had just recently eaten from the little boy's picnic. And he's offering them a picture of the faith which is crucial to their survival. In a few moments, we'll be invited to gather around the table to remember with ordinary things, with bread and wine. If we come to him, accepting his authority in our lives and submitting completely our will to his, we're drawn into a new and lovely relationship with God. Suddenly at peace with someone that we have previously been at odds with. Let us take a quiet moment now to count that cost and to allow God to draw us to himself. If you are indeed hungry for something more than cake or caviar, for something that really satisfies, come now and eat of the bread of life. It is never too late, and no one will be turned away. Jesus is the bread of life, bread that satisfies, bread that sustains, and bread that saves. Amen.